Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today, I'm delighted to be welcoming Dr. Hal Baker. He is the Senior Vice President and Chief Digital and Information Officer at Wellspan Health. And he's also an old friend of mine. Hal, thanks for coming. Great to see you again, Nick. So, um, as I do with all my guests, I know a little bit of this story, but it is absolutely intriguing because whilst you're a physician and you still practice medicine, you yes. took a slightly different sort of pathway and indeed a, a role in the organization. Tell us a little bit about your career to this point and how you arrived here. Well, I'm a uh, 28 plus year uh, employee of Wellspan Health, uh, where I spent my first 10 years in uh, residency education and training medical students and residents. Um, but I've always had an interest in IT. I mean, I grew up as a analog native, writing notes, um, writing orders like most of us did of our age, but uh, saw the potential in computers and was fortunate enough to work in an organization that saw opportunity for me to help. Um, I am not a technical background person. I took one college course in programming, something called Fortran. And uh, I think the, the great thing about technology in the last 15 years is it's been less about can we computerize it do, to moving to can we make it work for clinicians, patients, can we make it better? Um, and boy, the last three or four years have been fantastic in that area. Yeah, it's funny you bring up that. So first of all, I programmed in Fortran. I was a big COBOL guy. I almost re revitalized my um, uh, credentials around the year 2000 when they were looking desperately for people like me. But I, I just I couldn't bring myself. It was all about commas and periods and all sorts of things. Right. So I'm delighted to hear that you had some of that experience. And, you know, the point that you make right at the end is I, I think hits the nail on the head for me. It was can, can we computerize it was the the mantra for so long, but that was really the wrong question we were asking. And I think we're now starting to ask the right question, which is how does this improve healthcare in, in general? Is Do you think that's been a shift and a change? I, I do think it has, and I, I think it's uh, been an advantage of what we've seen in generative AI and some of the capabilities that have come on frankly, much faster than those of us close to it expected. Uh, I think many of us were surprised, including some of the engineers that uh, most deeply involved in this, how quickly this blossomed. But the computer systems that we all put in were very, very good at forced accountability to complete certain administrative actions. Um, and I, you know, I remind people, I'm a primary care physician, every 12 seconds is 1% of the uh, office visit. And we very quickly add requirements there for coding, for HCC codes, um, for documentation, for this social determinant of health and that. And you know, click by click, second by second, we eat away at the time that allows people to connect with each other because that's what made us all go into medicine in the first place. Um, now some of the technology is starting to seek into the seek um, back into the background and let the people connect. Um, and I think we're turning joy to practice, uh, and that's exciting. I've got 
my all, all three of my kids are in some way tied into the healthcare industry. Um, and I, I'm very optimistic for what lies forward in the future. Yeah, I, I, I will tell you, I've got the same. And, you know, unfortunately, in the case of uh, one of mine, um, you know, quite honestly, miserable at this point because of the challenges that we've overlaid on top. And it can't come soon enough, quite frankly. Um, so before we get into the detail, I think it's getting it, it's worth getting a little bit of context for those that don't well uh, know Wellspan Health. You've obviously received some um, recognition uh, nationally on you know a, a number of fronts, um, but it's quite the mix of a, a, a hospital health system. Tell us a little bit about where it is and you know some of the makeup of the system, if you would. Yeah, well, well Wellspan Health is located in South Central Pennsylvania. Um, it largely is a six-county uh, health system hugging the border of uh, Maryland and um, Pennsylvania, uh, York County, Lancaster County, Lebanon County, uh, Adams County, which has Gettysburg, um, Franklin County. Uh, so that, that area, um, not large cities, um, a lot of rural uh, area, a lot of uh, farmland and orchards. Um, but we have been the locally governed, locally um, run health system here, community-minded, voluntary board, um, dedicated to providing health care to our communities in every way and meeting the needs for the journey that is life, as our saying goes. Uh, and it has been an organization that has been very mission and purpose-driven. Uh, it's the reason I chose to begin my career here out of my fellowship and uh, have been very proud to see what it has maintained over the near three decades, I've been with it in terms of its commitment to just do the right thing. Yeah, that's not always the case. Let's be clear. We certainly see a, a fair amount of that. And in terms of the, the makeup of um, patients, customers, you know, consumers, however you want to sort of phrase that, what, what's what's the makeup? I mean, it sounds rural, but it's not exclusively rural. It's a mix. Oh, oh no, no. We have, um, you know, we have inner city problems, food deserts. Um, transportation uh, issues. We have a, a fairly large Spanish-speaking population, uh, so we deal with the bilingual nature. Um, we had to do a lot of work with the um, uh, Spanish-speaking churches to help get COVID information and COVID vaccinations out to that community when we saw disproportionate um, outcomes uh, affecting that community. We, we work a lot on equity and trying to drive uh, equity in our care um, across all groups. Um, we've been uh, supporting the LGBTQ community um, well before uh, that became uh, legally um, a right of people. Uh, I remember recruiting residents uh, because we offered same-sex benefits when very few hospitals did, um, just because we could meet them where they were. Uh, so th that's what's always made me proud about the organization. Uh, but we've also, while being very stewardly, um, not grandiose by any means, uh, we've always been really focused on making sure we made the investments in the technology that helped get us better. Some of our cardiovascular services are just world class. Um, uh, our work in some 4D imaging uh, in cardiology, I think, is groundbreaking. Um, and we, you know, we built a patient portal that wasn't what we were always comfortable with as providers. But it was what we wanted when we were the patients. Um, and if you follow that golden rule of do unto others as you would want them to do unto you when you're sick, um, boy, that does help you make some decisions at times where they're difficult forks in the road. 
Yeah, I, I've I've got to call you out as uh, one of the big supporters of you know open uh, sharing of information. Uh, you know, every every few months we see a, a an email thread that shows up on a, a message board that you and I are both part of. People going, well, you know, should we share results? Should we share all of these things with patients? And you're one of the first to always jump in. We've been doing this for a, a very long time, by the sounds of it. Absolutely. And- I, I'm certain that it's not without bumps and challenges, but overall, it sounds like that's been, you know, a foundational piece of information sharing with your community. It, it is. And you do have those moments where people will find out devastating news on the patient portal because we now are not legally allowed to withhold it. But um, sometimes the result comes back and it is some tragic news. Um, But when you see that the person was hitting refresh every five minutes for the last 90 minutes, you know that they desperately wanted it. And now they've learned something bad, but they've learned it and they didn't learn it in the warmest way. But when they do come into the office, they'll have their questions clear. um, And they clearly had that demand and need. And while we have those stories, we also have the people who got to sleep through the weekend because they now know their kid doesn't have leukemia that the the tumor hasn't recurred in their chest CT. And I do believe that sometimes limbo is the worst place you can leave yourself uh, for a prolonged period of time. And there's the greatest suffering in uncertainty. At least that's my belief as a clinician. We've had good support for that ideal amongst our leadership, and it's kept us true to that path. Well, I've I've always been grateful for your um, you know voice and support on the matter because I do I I feel very strongly about it as well. Um, you know, I think vacuum just creates opportunity for misinformation and all sorts of mind games that we play with ourselves. So, you know, all credit to you. Um, you. As you think about the the path to this point, I mean, I, I you know it's a long period of time in terms of the technology innovation. I mean, if you go back far enough, you're talking pre-cell phones, pre-iPhones even. And, Absolutely. You know, um, tell us a little bit about some of the highlights of the things that you created that have been successful through that journey that gets you to this point of, uh, you know, the recognition that you received in, you know, recent uh um, piece talking about the digital health most wired health system, which you you maintain for a number of years now. So you've clearly worked very hard at it. What are some of the highlights in there? I, I think some of the things I'm most proud of are, are the rapid way we rolled out um, uh, voice recognition in our electronic health record rollout, uh, because we recognized pretty quickly that a lot of our doctors' resistance was they just didn't know how to type. And um, it's very hard for people that are highly respected to look foolish typing with two fingers. Um, I sometimes joke that we had a dragon outbreak, not a rollout plan, um, but we we did that and that was able to help us really roll out the electronic health record uh, and then start to embrace the opportunities with it. We, we had uh, two different vendors for our inpatient and outpatient record. Both of them had portals that just couldn't represent the other. It made no sense to have two. So our team literally built our own portal. And we, by the time we flipped to Epic in 2017, we had over 150,000 patients on it using it. We were doing um, online scheduling um, and we built that integrated approach from the ground up, um, which was not something I planned to do with build our own portal, but we were able to keep it certified. And it really was 
um, better than many out there. We had a very open proxy function where I could, for instance, invite you to be the proxy of my record. Um, and Epic looked at that and said, wow, that's better than what we're doing. Can we adopt that? And, and they built it in and we were by all means. Um, so, you know, when you're taking the opportunities to build on top of something as strong as Epic's my chart, it's kind of amazing where you can go. Um, something that made no business sense, but um, made great human sense was to let our patients have access to not their imaging reports, but their images and be able to see the CAT scan, see the ultrasound, see the uh, fetal ultrasound of the baby kicking. We turned this on um, on February 1st of 2000. Um, as you may remember, there was a bit of another thing going on at two, that time. So our entire marketing plan fell apart on that. We didn't tell anybody, but we turned it on and then we went about we're working on COVID. About August of that year, I suddenly asked that we turned it on and realized we had, and we noticed that there were over 40,000 looks every month, and now it's over 60,000 um, of people just looking at their images. And, you know, sometimes it's a kid asking mom to show their their friend um, their broken arm. Sometimes it's a expectant mother showing her future, um, the future grandmother, the baby kicking. Um, sometimes it's just seeing for yourself that that tumor that was in your chest is gone after treatment uh, instead of trusting the words on a page. Um, and that's been cool because we've had support to do those kind of things that are just there because they make sense to our mission, even if you can't show an ROI. So for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Hal Baker. He's the Senior Vice President and Chief Digital and Information Officer at Wellspan Health. We were just talking about some of the innovations that you've seen, um, you know, the inclusion of images. And, you know, let's be clear, reading an X-ray, reading an ultrasound and, and go back 20 years, I couldn't read an ultrasound. Those things were just double dutch to me quite frankly but you know they've gotten much better with the 3d visualization and you know as you talked about 4d um you know that's exciting to see that you just sort of throw it out there didn't do any marketing and now you see all of this use case and you know there's i i, I don't know i mean I, i'm not sure that you can necessarily see an roi for that but it sort of harps back to something that you said that really resonates with me do the right thing that was the right thing to do. You saw the opportunity, you were able to do it um, and, and delivered on a, a promise that I think for patients must be, you know, it must be extraordinary to hear some of the stories. I imagine gathering some of those and sharing them must be quite nice for the staff internally to hear some of that. Oh, it, it absolutely is. It, it, it is. And, and we've recognized that our patient experience is one of our leading brand attributes uh, when we we look at what people recognize in us. Um, but it's an area that we're working aggressively on and trying to make even better and uh, really looking at revamping our entire digital experience uh, to make it more personalized, more um, uh, easy to navigate, um, and more effective. So uh, you, you're, you're clearly you know, something of a, a fortune teller, um, given that you saw that far back with speech recognition. And, you know, I, I accept I've got some bias here because I was in that particular party. I could see it. You were clearly one of the, the, the leaders in saying, yeah, no, this makes sense. You've seen the value contribution. It's clearly contributed to 
an expansion of services, I think, relief from a, a physician standpoint. Um, but it's getting even more interesting now, I think, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've been using uh, ambient voice uh, for uh, with Nuance for the last three years, but in the last um, two months, I've been using the fully AI version. And so I get back a note in 30 seconds um, and uh, I can you know, give it instructions. If uh, I'm seeing someone named Pat and it puts it down as a male pronoun, I can say, no, no, Pat's a, a 47 year old woman. And it just changes it all um, like an AI would. Uh, so that kind of stuff is is cool. What I underestimated until I experienced it is taking off the responsibility of, for a clinician to run the tape recorder in their head of keeping track of all the details to regurgitate into a note for the business of medicine instead of just being present. Um, that was much more of a psychological tax, tax than I realized until it was removed. And what we've seen from our providers is that they are often blown away by how much better they feel, how much happier they are in the office. Their spouses sometimes are able to really give us clear information about, I've got a different partner coming home to me um, who's coming home earlier with less on their mind and able to be more focused on our family. That's great. And, and we're doing similar work in nursing with virtual nursing with a company called Artisite, um, which augments with AI um, tasks that can be really repetitive, like being a uh, sitter one-on-one -on -one with the patient. With an AI, we can get to 12, 13 to 1. Um, but a virtual nurse who can come into the room and do a history double check on things. Um, it's creating a new problem for us that we haven't had in a while, which is how do we survey our staff to quantify the return of joy to their work? Because mm -hmm. that hasn't been a problem for me in a while, but now that's one of the things we're working on our methodology to get the impact of this because we think that it is worth capturing and it's really out there. And we have anecdotes and stories and interviews, but we want to quantify it. So, I, I, I mean, I think, you know, some fantastic progress and opportunities there. You talk about the the ambient listening and how much that's progressed. And I, I've certainly talked about this recently. I stepped away for a while and was truly surprised at the capabilities of this and the number of entrants that are now sort of appearing to say, we can do this. I, I think this whole area is going to explode. And, you know, you talk about the elements of giving back to the physicians, but not it's not just time. You're you're right. It's sort of hanging on to what did I forget? We've changed that. So you 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 must be truly excited. Is is this reaching wide rollout in your side? Uh, yes, we have we have over 200 providers using it right now, um, physicians, APPs. Um, and uh, the the nursing rollout right now, it's only in 180-bed hospital, but we're as fast as possible moving it to other hospitals because the stories are so compelling. Um, literally today, we're going live with our first emergency room physician using uh, the ambient voice, uh, and I, I can't wait to hear from him later today how it goes because with the uh, fully AI technology, uh, it's possible to keep five patients in play at one time where it wasn't when it was a single recording.
Right. And um, it, it's that relief of, you know, the the mental baggage of what did I forget? And I think that's what people were taking home is is what I the sense I get of that. I think it absolutely was. There, there's there's the click flow and the rapidity. Uh, Epic has recently made a change to something called hyperdrive, which makes the computer much more snappy. But it's still the same number of clicks, same number of fields taking away cognitive work that a computer can do. Um, where we want to go is where um, repositioning a patient in a doesn't need to be documented because the AI on the computer can see that it happened and recorded it. Um, you know, let's not have human beings telling a computer stuff that a computer can see for itself or hear for itself. It it really does feel like that inflection point of, you know, the change from technology being a burden, which let's be clear, I think the EMR was, was for a long, long time. Many benefits, point, but trade-offs. Exactly. You know, we're not going to get rid of it, but it's it, it, it caused additional burden. I think that happiness score, and I know the W, I think it's the WHO um, produces a happiness report by country. Yes. Maybe you should go to Finland. I think you need <laughs> to take a trip to Finland and look at their measurement of happiness because they do. They actually measure yes, happiness. And I think that's really important because ultimately, if we're not happy, we're not really doing great jobs. So we've not got a lot of time left. So I, I, I want to sort of pick your brain and see if we can help some of our listeners out. Um, you've obviously picked some of these things. You must have some exciting thoughts about the future, where you see some of this going, where people should be thinking about, where they should be focusing based on some of your experiences? My particular thought is to stick closer to platforms that are pluripotential. Uh, we're working with Artisite that we think can go in a number of directions. The technology behind Ambient can work in a doctor's office, but it, could it also help measure a timeout in an operating room? Could it um, help a nurse uh, document uh, passively while she's doing her work versus having to do it in the documented. Uh, those are the kind of things that are interesting to us. Um, another company called KeyCare that we work with has been great. Um, but one of the challenges, it could help us in so many different ways. It's sometimes hard to choose. And there is that paradox of choices that you deal with when you have a platform um, but I, I would encourage people not to get too hung up on picking the thing that has the most value. Just pick something valuable where you've got the right leadership and get going because there will be many uh, parallel opportunities to pivot to. And it's most important to get something done and not let perfect be the enemy of right now getting something good done. Uh, it is a opportunity rich time for us to return humanity to healthcare. Um, and let the computers do the work they're best at while the people do the connections that brought them to healthcare in the first place. So it sounds like, and you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to pick on this because it resonates a lot with my, my brand, the incrementalist. Um, it, it's, you know, don't let perfection stand in the way of progress. Has that been your mantra throughout, do you think? I think, I think it, it is, and also recognizing that it all has to work together. And if you try to stitch together 14 different niche solutions that it's each elegant, the ecosystem will still be fractionated um, versus making a few bets on a key, few key platforms. You know, Epic has built everything from one uh, instance, and I don't think that's immaterial to their success or the way things work together. So uh, closing moments, as, as you look forward, 
what are your where do you see the highlights for where things are going and the opportunity? It feels like medicine might be at an inflection point, and there's hope for my daughter yet. I, I think there is great hope that the technology will leverage the humanity of people, and we will be able to take some of the drudgery away and let it be handled by very sophisticated computers that have um, increasingly complex capabilities through AI. It needs to be managed, there'll be missteps, but the future is so much brighter if we can let the humans and the computers each do what they're best at. Yeah, I, I too am excited about it, although I, I know I've been excited about other things that didn't quite <laughs> play out. But I think, you know, the importance of this whole revolution that's coming with AI, the generalized term of this, and yeah, I, I think importantly, the fact that it has context that it can apply on an ongoing basis to deliver additional value with the right guardrails, recognize all of that. It is an exciting time, and I'm so I'm hopeful that we can turn the page, as it were, um, and see a better future for clinicians that you've clearly seen in your institution where they can spend the time that they want with their patients. Yeah. Unfortunately, as we do each and every week, uh, we've run out of time. So it just remains for me to thank you for joining us on the show. Hal, thanks for joining me. It was great to see you again. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at DrNick1 on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. 